sucks. What's up, mother suckers? This is This Movie Sucks. I am one of your hosts, Cedric Jameson, a.k.a. Bunny Defender, a.k.a. your mom's favorite Applebee's date. And with me, as always, except for that one time, is Heresy. Introduce yourself, Heresy. I'm Heresy, and all I want for Christmas is you. I should have expected it. I should have expected one of these, like, <laughs> but I didn't. Like, <laughs> And you know what's even worse? Uh, I know how much of a Mariah Carey fan you are. I know it's the Christmas season, and I know that you've been shoving this song more than you know a Macy's in November, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but when you said all I want for Christmas, what I was expecting you to finish with was my two front teeth, <laughs> <laughs> and that's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> that, that, yeah, you know what they say when you assume. When you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. Yeah, see, I tell that to people. I'm like, you know what happens when you assume? They're like, you make an ass. I'm like, sometimes you're wrong. <laughs> and now look at you. And now look at wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's a brilliant setup. <laughs> uh, man, this is our. This is our, what, third official Christmas episode, but kind of the fourth because of Die Hard. We had Die Hard, Violent yeah. Night, Elf, fourth. Well, see, I'm I'm willing to go that this is the fourth and the last because the next one that we do, kind of just a TV special. Yeah, but we're still doing an episode on it. Like, this is our technically last Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. Of the month. Yeah. So that's, that's worked out pretty well. Yeah. 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 Next, uh, next week we get to do a TV special. Uh, you guys voted, you guys voted in the yeah. polls on the discord and the Instagrams. And we asked you what Rankin Bass Christmas special we should cover for our last Christmas episode. And you all picked Rudolph the red nosed reindeer. So the, uh, the 50 minute Rankin Bass special stop animation, the one that started them all. That's what we'll be covering next week. Uh, same time. First first time we've covered something not a movie. Yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, not really. The title of the show is This Movie Sucks. And then we're like, hey, gotcha. <laughs> well, you know what? You, you know what happens when you assume. <laughs> well, just I just assumed on the on the title alone. Well, there you go. Yeah. Fuck, you there do that too, way too well. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's it's not like it's not like the the fucking the Scooby Doo or your fucking point blank Professor Oak, which is always <laughs> on spot. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll whip the Professor Professor Oak out one time if we do a Pokemon movie. Oh yeah, and I think we we're gonna have to do a Pokemon movie at some point. If we do a if we do a Pokemon movie, it has to be one of the first two. Either Pokemon the movie or Pokemon 2000. Like, it can't be yeah. anything else. And it's the, either Mew or Lugia. Get yeah, the fuck out of my face. It has to be. The, and look, the, be. the first one was so absolutely massive, especially considering, like, our ages. Like, yeah. that's one of the first movies that I I picked as a kid that I wanted to go and watch this at the cinema. Yeah. It's like, I saw it coming yeah. out. I was like, I have to go and watch this. Um, actually, no, that's, that's a lie. I, I didn't, I didn't want to go to watch it. I wanted to go. So I got the fucking ancient Mew Pokemon card. Cause that's the only place you can get yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I had that too. Yeah. And then you oh. know what happened? I turned up, I buy my popcorn, I buy my drink. 
No fucking cards left. No cards left? No cards left. They were all gone. Oh, man. If only you lived in the land of the free. Well, the cards were free. (laughs) Free of my ownership at that point. It took me, like, another 20 years until, like, I was a a proper adult to fucking buy one myself. And at that point, I didn't really fucking care anymore. I think it it was, like, it was ingrained just because I didn't get it as a kid. Yeah. That's what having adult money is all about. It's about buying the shit you wanted as a kid. Yeah. That you couldn't afford. Yeah. Or didn't get a chance to get and then a lot of the shit, like, because let's be honest, we want the original stuff that we wanted as a kid. Mm-hmm. And that shit is, it's fallen into collectible and it was just so goddamn expensive. Yeah, there was, um, there was an X-Wing toy that I had as, I had it as a kid and I just, it was one of my first, like, fidget things. Yep. Um, before, like, that was a huge trend and shit. Like, we just didn't know I was ADHD yet. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but it was an X-Wing and the wings popped open. You could open up the hatch, put the little guy in. Yes. Uh, the little guy was like not even an inch tall. Yep. Uh, and it was, uh, oh, what were they called? It's like micro machines or something. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And like they had a stand. It was like a, almost like a bow tie pasta shape yep. stand, a black stand that says Star Wars and you could put the thing on. And I looked them up and <laughs> I was like, that. huh, I could, I, I, they're actually not expensive, but oh. it didn't look as accurate uh, as okay. I remembered it. And I was like, huh, that actually bothers me now as an adult. <laughs> so I bought like the new version that they have, uh, which operates kind of the same, but yeah. like it has like more movie accurate details. See, I had, so I didn't have the, the X-Wing, but I had the Naboo fighter. And yeah. you didn't put a pilot in, you put fucking R2 in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that wasn't my fidgety thing. My, my fidgety thing that we went looking for, I remember as a kid, like we went to so many different toy stores looking for it, was the fucking, the little R2-D2 that shot the lightsaber out of its head. Yeah. Like you had yeah, the thing was, and uh, it'd pop it up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was in the 1996 or 7 yeah. Kenner Power of the Force line. Yep, that's about that's, right, yeah. That's- that's the line where they just decided everyone was going to be jacked. Yeah. Like, even Ben Kenobi is just yoked. Like, <laughs> well, and, <laughs> Darth and, Vader has muscles poking through his suit now. <laughs> at least they existed, though, because, like, do you, you've heard this. Obviously, you would have heard the story about the um the first mail order uh, toy set. Yep. Where yep. they and just. And our early bird special. Yeah. Where, like, kids just unwrapped a fucking cardboard display with a note saying, your toys will come in some couple of next months. Next couple of yeah. months. They'll be here. So that happened because uh, nobody expected Star Wars to be a hit. No. Like no. the first Star Wars movie. And so George George thought it was going to be a hit. Or he didn't think it was going to be a hit, but he thought it was going to be enough of a hit where he needed merchandise. And so he went to a bunch of toy companies and they all turned him down until he got to a really small one. Kenner. Yeah. And Kenner was like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do the deal. Because, like, uh, one of the things that was turning people away was George wanted a piece of the merchandise. Like, yeah. he wanted the money from it. And a lot of toy companies were like, no, no, that's not how it works. Well, see, Directors don't get that. Yeah. Well, see, they, they weren't doing that in a lot of places. Like, royalties weren't a massive thing that were included in deals back there. Same with the Lion King. No. 
Like when they were asking the the cast to come in and sing, like, here we'll give you a check for two million dollars. Like, no, no, no. I'll take one million and negotiate for royalties. Right. Like it just wasn't a thing yet. Yeah, one of the one of the first actors to get royalties was Alec Guinness in yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Because he took that instead of his full, you know, yeah. his full paycheck. And that set him for life. Oh yeah. As a fallback, yeah, that was hundred percent the right decision. Yeah. But that could go two ways, so, don't get me wrong, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh someone who turned it down, right? Turned down royalties and a starring role was uh Mar- uh Matt Damon. Matt oh. Damon was offered royalties and a fee to be an avatar. James Cameron's and he turned it down. And while he dodged a bullet with a shitty movie, uh also missed out on the biggest paycheck of his life. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I, sorry fella, you're gonna turn into Nicolas Cage. You're just gonna have to pump out movie after movie until you fall in a box. Sure, sure Matt Damon's fine. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Nicolas Cage should have been fine. It was just a, a few decisions in there. Yeah, like buying a castle. Uh, <laughs> don't don't listen to MC Hammer for financial advice. <laughs> but uh, basically, what happened is this small toy, the small family-owned toy company in named Kenner, uh, were not prepared. Just like everyone was not prepared for how big Star Wars was going to be, and everyone and their mom were searching for the toys. Where's the toys? Where's the toys? And Kenner was like, hmm. We didn't make any yet because they made the deal so yeah. close to the release. Uh, and then with the, the demand, they weren't going to be able to get them out in the volume until the next year. Yeah. So like you were saying, you got a picture that doubled yeah. as like the backing of a playset, set. Uh, and and that the promise <laughs> that your that your toys were going to c- c- arrive to your house in 1978. Yeah. Which is. If you're unwrapping that come Christmas, fuck that would have sucked. <laughs> like Jesus, it's like yeah, cool. Thanks. So, like, oh, here's your big <laughs> gift, Jimmy. As cool, three bits of cardboard and a letter from some broke ass company. <laughs> Which is funny because that that the Star Wars kept Kenner going for a oh, long yeah. time, up until the '90s, uh, where after the Power of the Force. And the uh, the episode one toys, Kenner was bought by Hasbro, yeah. which is why Hasbro does the Star Wars toys now, yeah. which has then evolved into a deal with all of Disney. So they Hasbro does the uh, they do Star Wars and Marvel and yeah. um, pretty much all that. And then they also do uh, they still have the the partnership with uh, what's the Power Rangers company? Uh, Saban. Uh, yeah, Saban. So they do the Power Rangers. And then they also do Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And Magic the so Gathering. Like, but we don't talk about that, otherwise I'll send the Pinkertons to your house. That's a wild story that we can't get into. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be for our, our, our sister podcast, This Company Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler it's EA and Activision for the first 17 episodes. <laughs> They're going to have to be like a uh, spin-off to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> but after that, after that whole tangent, how do we get there? How do we get there? Uh, Cause it's Christmas. Yeah. 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 
which obviously leads us to the horrors of consumerism. Uh, <laughs> but putting that aside... <laughs> also, we're back to Hasbro again. <laughs> uh, speaking of the horrors of consumerism, before we dive into the uh, the movie that we are talking about today, which is Merry Little Batman, uh, we have another... S- little stint on our show where whoever's not hosting brings a movie that they have been watching lately or has just been on their mind and recommends it to you guys the mother suckers and today it is heresy's hot sauce so what do you got for us today heresy i have a real movie today and this is one of those movies that i actually i consider a christmas movie uh because of when it takes place, and it actually becomes somewhat of a plot point as well, uh, based on a true story starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, Catch Me If You Can, which is an absolute banger of a movie. If you haven't seen it, so it oh, man, you would love it. So it's, yeah. based, it's based on a true story of Frank Abagnale. Uh, basically, this kid grows up um and runs away uh from his parents get divorced um the irs come after his dad because you know he's a little bit shady dad is played by christopher walkins um no you know, i didn't yeah. do it looking <laughs> at my guy all wrong <laughs> but uh yeah so basically he he runs away and he becomes a corn artist essentially he picks up and what f- does he make with the corn hey Corn so what does he make with a corn? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but he um he finds himself in check fraud. Um, because mm. you know he can he can starts he starts basically to to pick up checks uh by writing bad checks and then forging other checks, then getting other people's checks and kind of like changing some of the names. But he gets so advanced in it that the checks that he's actually making. Um, all the serial numbers match up to the banks. It's now becoming months and months by the time the banks are finding out that this is not a legitimate check because all those numbers are actually matching up. Um, and this is all by the time he's 19. Like, he is legitimately a kid, and he gets millions upon millions of dollars out of this. Um, so basically what he does is he pretends to be a pilot Pretends. Yeah, pretends to be a part. But so there's a there's a Can thing back then. Well, he doesn't have to. And that's that's the that's the great thing. So pilots and airlines have a thing where they get put in what they call a jump seat. So the jump seat is when a pilot is being flown back to another airport to be able to, you know, get ready for the flight that they're taking. Right. So he finds his his way into uh, kind of finagling a, a pilot's suit, an actual one from the company. He rings up and say, "Hey, I've lost uh, um, I've lost my suit uh, through luggage or whatever." So they send him down. They put it on his tab that he doesn't have, and yeah, he just rides jump seats. He goes from country to country and state to state, and forges all these airline checks because they will pay them out to cash. So he starts bringing these checks, handing it over to all the different banks. You know, I'm just out of town, just want to cash my check because I'm off on another flight. And this goes on for ages. And then essentially you have Tom Hanks 
who's working for the FBI, um, going in to, to track him down, trying to find him. And the way that this plays into Christmas is because he's so young and he's left a broken home, the only person that is somewhat of a constant in his life is Tom Hanks's character because he's chasing him. Like they, they, <laughs> they have the back and forth. So every Christmas, he rings the FBI office to talk to him. It's like, you want to be caught. It's like, I don't want to be. It's like, you just, you're ringing because you have nobody else in your life. Um, mm. And yeah, so the whole thing goes on. It's absolutely an amazing movie. Um, legitimately, I, I think it is actually one of the best uh, Leo and Tom films in their own respective back catalog of movies. I would 100% recommend that. Hell yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen Leo and Tom in a uh, movie together. They do really well. And uh, this is back when Leo was still pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. I just looked it up. Oh, two. Yeah. Which is funny because I, I always glanced over Catch Me If You Can. And like they say, don't judge a book by its cover. Like you shouldn't <laughs> judge a movie either. Uh, but like the cover of Catch Me If You Can, it's like the them both blurry running. And then it's got like those like what I hate about you arrows yeah, yep. logo. So it doesn't look like a period espionage no, it, at all. It doesn't look enticing in the slightest. Like I've never, like I've already, I thought catch me if you can was a rom-com just based on the, <laughs> Between cover the with Leo and Tom. Like I never looked at the actors at all. <laughs> so when you, when you said Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, I was like, Oh really? Yeah. But no, I, I would honestly, this is probably one of, We've talked about this a little bit before. Uh, this movie is probably in my in my top twenty. That's how oh, that's wow. how good of okay. a film this is. But yeah, hundred hundred percent. Gonna have to check that out. Yeah, like if we did a like a, a spies and espionage month, um, this would probably almost have to be it. It's that good. Okay. Yeah. And now, ooh, spies and espionage. What else would be in there? Ooh. Well, we'd have to have some kind of James Bond. It'd be rude not to. Yeah, you'd have to have one. Yeah. Um, Probably a Sean Connery one, right? I... It'd be Sean Connery or Daniel Craig. Like, I feel I... like you either have to go original, original, or like the latest. Daniel Craig can get fucked. I would go Whoa. with, with uh, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. He's from, mm. from, yeah. He's a good one. He's my, he's my James Bond. I think he was the most fucking suave, debonair piece of Daniel shit. Daniel Craig can get fucked what yeah yeah, yeah get fucked yeah you know yeah. why because he was the first james bond uh that i remember seeing that wasn't pierce brosnan is that not oh so it's Stop like a it. loyalty thing yeah pierce, right. pierce brosnan right. is just he's a fucking pimp nothing you can do against that guy see i saw I'm trying to think i think pierce brosnan like if we count the n64 game yeah he yeah. was my first <laughs> but like that's not really Pierce Brosnan. It's not his voice, and it's definitely no, not his fucking face. Sean Connery was my first. Roger Moore was my second. And then I think it might have been Timothy Dalton. Ooh. Which he's a, he and doesn't I'm, get bought up a lot in uh, James Bond discussions. No, I think he, he was only one, right? License yeah, to yeah, Kill? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Timothy Dalton, like, just in general. Yeah. Um, like I liked him on Doctor Who a lot, uh, because he's in those couple episodes. He was in 
uh, Hot Fuzz, yeah, which was pretty great. And he was in one of the Arrowverse shows. I forget what what he was doing, but anyway, um, you know what? I'm I honestly I'm not sure if I sat down and watched a whole Pierce Brosnan Bond before I watched Daniel Craig. I might have watched Daniel Craig before I sat down and watched a whole Pierce Brosnan. Huh? That's different. Then I, I I I'm just all Pierce Brosnan as far as. As far as yeah. I'm concerned, there there is no other James Bond. I liked Pierce Brosnan. Really? Yeah, I liked Pierce Brosnan more than I like Sean Connery. That's that's a hot take. See, Sean Connery, he holds a, a very different spot in my nostalgic heart because he was Draco in Dragonheart. Mm-hmm. And that's that got it for me. Yeah. So okay, so we'd have to have a now we're just working out the show on the show. That's yeah. great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'd have to have James Bond. We've yeah. we'd have we're doing Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. We'd have to have a Jason Bourne one in there too. Ooh, like if you bring up spies, like yeah. I think James Bond and Jason Bourne are like right there. And then the next one we'd probably have to do is uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, probably Mission Impossible three though. <laughs> you know, with uh, you, you could throw uh, a throw a dart anywhere from you know the first one to the forty six that followed. <laughs> All right, well, there you go. Spy, uh, spy and espionage coming up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that I was, uh, these little segments are basically where we start playing it, because like, this is where martial art month kind of came from. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so far, we have uh, we lined up. We have Monster Romance Month. We have yep. Western Month. We have Espionage Month. We have Martial Arts Month. We're running out of months. Uh, we have more <laughs> ideas than there are months. Yeah. <laughs> And then we have uh, personal nostalgia month. Oh yeah, which, and then you like, know. and then on top of that, like I think we've spoken about it before, like uh, in, on one of our birthdays or something, like we we pick something that's specifically nostalgic to us, like in that birthday month. Yeah, but uh, we're 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 trying to cram a lot of shit into this. You know what's crazy is we have all these months and we still don't know what we're doing next month. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> well, see, we, we did have the idea of uh, New Year, New Beginnings, uh, where we'd watch, like, reboots and stuff. But mm. so many reboots are just fucking shit. Why do we want to do that to ourselves for a whole month? Right. I mean, I can think of... I can think of a reboot that was really good that I would do. Yeah. Um, And then we had that other idea for that one week in January mm-hmm. that we're keeping close to the vest as of now. So we would just need to find two other reboots, two other remakes that we would do. See, that one's hard. I don't, yeah, I don't want to do RoboCop. I don't want to watch that RoboCop <laughs> movie again. <laughs> Checks on you. I didn't say it the first time around. No? Why would I? Yeah, the original Robo- RoboCop exists. Yeah. I saw the trailer. I thought that's going to be a piece of shit for an hour and a half. I mean, I can't say that you were terribly wrong. It wasn't great. It wasn't. Well, I think you were saying it wasn't know. an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll think of. We'll think of something. But yeah, my. Because uh, sometimes I watch a movie and I forget it's a reboot. Yeah. Like uh, there was that one a couple years ago, A Star Is Born. Oh yeah. That was the. F- fourth version of that movie that was the third reboot of that movie that's it yeah no there was that many of them yeah it just yeah that was just the most recent it just doesn't matter how many times they try it fucking sucks 
Come up with something new, Hollywood. (laughs) There is a dead horse that's tapping out from the beating that you're giving. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah. Never mind what's happening next month. Here's what's happening this month. If you've uh, if you clicked up on this episode and you didn't just hit play next and you saw the title, you'll know that we are talking about a merry little Batman, uh, a new Christmas movie starring Batman. Uh, put out by Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime Original, which is wild considering that DC and Warner Brothers have their own mm. streaming service. But that's not what we're going to talk about today because I will get heated. And saying that uh, Amazon, Amazon is firing lately. Like I know, I know that you're not a not a Warhammer player or a painter, but uh, Games Workshop um, have actually just signed a deal with Amazon for the rights to do Warhammer 40k movies and TV shows. And it's going to be spearheaded by Henry Cavill. Yes, I'm very excited about that. I thought you'd know about the Henry Cavill part, but the the rest, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping this is the one. I'm hoping this is the one that saves him. Or not saves him, but like he gets to actually like see till the end. Oh. Uh, But anyway. (laughs) We've got to stop diving into other. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is the ADHD episode. Uh, We've been through every franchise that isn't Batman. (laughs) <laughs> this is just the latest ad- batman adaptation batman debuted in May, uh, march 1939 in yeah. detective comics number 27 cover was dated may 1939 so a lot of people mess that up they say oh batman came out in may 1939 did not yeah. it was march yeah. uh created by bob kane and bill finger but like bob kane just kind of takes a lot of the credit we don't have to talk about him much because he just draws uh, batman on napkins and gives it to people yeah and even bill finger was m- more of the inspiration look wise yeah. anyway oh yeah but anyway uh you can't talk to anyone in the english speaking world and most of the non-english speaking world who doesn't know who batman is yeah Everybody knows Batman. Batman's popularity is only rivaled by Superman and Spider-Man. Like those are the only two that can even And even it. then, let's let's be honest, like uh Superman has had a bit of he's a bit of downfalls over the year because you know he's the poster boy for patriotism. Uh you see uh you see that duck down in uh in like you know big Western media and all of a sudden it's all about I am the knight. I am justice. You always go back to bats. Like, it's... And Spidey, don't get me wrong, Spidey's pretty damn cool. But I think a lot of that, especially lately, has had a lot to do with um, the movies, uh, especially in the Avengers. Like, if you want to take out recent stuff, then I think Batman shits all over him. (laughs) And as... uh, Just for the audience to know, Heresy is clearly unbiased. He definitely does not have a Batman tattoo on his wrist. Uh, do you want to know why it's on my wrist specifically in that spot i would love to know why so when i wear a watch it covers my tattoo so nobody knows (laughs) god damn it like it it shouldn't surprise you the the other tattoo on my forearm is literally a deer saying oh dear oh dear (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man so yeah the uh when you look back at 
Batman has too much history for us to cover. Oh yeah, uh, we in, really have to try and stick to even just a this year. Movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but in live action, there's been about I think six or seven different people to play Batman in live action. Even more to play Bruce Wayne while not mm-hmm. playing Batman. Been in countless TV shows, uh, animated shows, movies, comics, video games. Some of the greatest video games ever made. Tone has shifted incredibly, massively. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, and for for better or for worse, uh, yeah, you can that can be argued. And Batman has one of those unfortunate uh, reputations too, where some of the best Batman projects, some of the coolest Batman projects, have you know just flopped. irreparably yeah. damaged his reputation like like people will just be like oh this is the cool part about this it's like no 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 that's not the cool part nope. what do you mean you're making the whole thing based on that not cool part cool all right yeah looking at you frank miller <laughs> oh if we uh if we we want to start talking hot takes in batman i think it's time oh boy it is time no no it's not no it's not we're not i fucking hate heath ledger joker that's not even batman that's that's joker so we can't start this tonight we will not get through this episode we're half we're legitimately half an hour in and we haven't got to the movie yet (laughs) this we'll uh we'll roll around to this this will come back i am sure Mm -hmm. because the uh the joker portrayed in this film is still better than fucking heath ledger joker all right (laughs) (laughs) uh do you have a favorite batman live action or not just Live action, um, or not? Not really. Um, a lot of them, like the the nineties Batman live actions, were. I think Robert Pattinson actually did a, an all right job. Oh yeah, like I I was pleasantly surprised that fucking old Twinkle sucker did a pretty decent idea. I said Twinkle, Twinkle, because they shiny, yeah. yeah. <laughs> If we ever cover the Batman oh. on the podcast, like it's just gonna be be me just doting on that movie. Like that movie is damn near perfect to me. Like, and I every time I watch it, I rate it a little higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I just love that it's the first actual Batman movie where he's a detective. He is an actual, yeah. Well, not licensed, but he is like doing actual <laughs> detective work. It's also like the first it's also the first live action Batman movie where he actually has his no kill rule. Yeah. Cuz like just... even even so one of the big mix, one of one of the things I was talking about like fantastic properties that like give Batman irreparable reputation damage like Michael Keaton Batman. Yeah. Fantastic. Also murders a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, he lights a dude on fire, and then he blows another dude up with a bomb in one movie, in one sequence. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Tim Burton, you fuck. <laughs> and I then fucking hate in, Tim Burton, too. <laughs> Everything he's ever in, done. Val Kilmer Batman uh, doesn't directly kill Toothface, but he sh- throws a bunch of coins up so he falls off balance and dies. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if George Clooney Batman killed anyone. Uh, I haven't seen that movie in a while. I don't know, then... we were all distracted by the nipples and the R shots. 
of Batman, not even the female characters in that movie. It was Batman (laughs) and Robin that had the nipple and arse shots that were the fucking paramount. (laughs) Then in then Christopher Nolan's Batman, uh, the first one, Batman Begins, which I think is one of the better Batman adaptations. Uh, I I do like Batman Begins better than The Dark Knight. Yeah, I think it's a better Batman movie. But you have the ending part with uh, Ra's al Ghul, where he's like, "I'm gonna get a cure to you, but I don't have to save you either." <laughs> and then he just dips, and it's like, "Batman, that's the same thing." Yeah, but Batman. <laughs> and I fucking hated what they did with the the bat vehicles in that series of oh, the Tumbler. Yeah, yeah, sucked easily. The worst bat, worst Batmobile. Yeah, uh, I I did dig. Uh, Ben Affleck's Batmobile mm-hmm. right up until the machine guns came out. Uh, I think Batfleck he was... killed a lot of people too. Yeah, he did. Like, and I know the arguments there. Like, uh, a lot of it is like dream sequence where he's actually, you know, he's got the gun and shit in that stupid fucking brown jacket. Um, <laughs> but I think Batfleck doesn't get enough credit for being a fantastic Batman. The movies, correct themselves, were shit. He was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, Batman v Superman was garbage. Yeah. And like I went into Batman v Superman thinking everything was going to be awesome except Ben Affleck. I thought he was going to be the problem. Yep. And then I watched the movie. And I was like, was he the only fucking good part in that? Mm-hmm. Fuck. But even then he breaks a bunch of necks and he kills a bunch of people and he shoots people like point blank with machine guns. And it's like, cool. Batman wouldn't do that. Um <laughs> And then in Zack Snyder's Justice League, he that's a that's actually a really good movie. Mm. Besides the nightmare timeline stuff, where it's just like I'm gonna take a piss on so many characters. It's yeah. like, but at least like the main conflict wasn't sorted out by your mom's name. It's the same. It's my mom's name. That was fucking stupid. Uh, we can, we so can do a lazy. whole. We can do a whole episode on Batman v Superman, which. You know, bums me out because I do like Zack Snyder. I do like Zack Snyder. I do like. Oh, I don't know him personally. <laughs> I have to go ask uh, Keith and Nicole next time we yeah, have yeah. for a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> How is that the running joke? I don't know. Because I, <laughs> I was going to make it if you didn't. <laughs> But then, uh, then after that, you get Robert Pattinson, who's yeah. like, "No, we don't kill, or we're just as bad as them." And I'm like, "Fucking finally, yeah. fucking finally!" I've been waiting for this. Like somebody had to do it, and yeah. it was it was dark, it was gritty, it was suspenseful. It's not the movie that we're talking about this podcast. No, um, it's not. Which which uh, brings us back, <laughs> <laughs> because none of those guys we talked about are actually playing Batman. No. Um, and who is playing Batman is Luke Wilson, brother of Owen Wilson. Yeah. And he does something that I think was needed where if you if you play Batman in an animated anything, you're getting compared to Kevin Conroy. Kevin oh. Conroy is Batman. He is uh, R.I.P. One of the the greatest person to ever play Batman. Yeah. Hands down. And the only person to do it as long and as many projects as one single person has done. He is Batman. Uh, Like, I don't think the game is going to be good. Uh, But like his last appearance of 
Batman is coming out uh, in two months. And he passed away over a year ago now. Yeah. So his legacy of Batman and his contributions to Batman is living longer than he did. Yeah. And he played the character since 1992. Like, that's 31 years of Kevin Conroy Batman. In the animated uh, series, which is still the best Batman series. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there's there's and no argument. So what Luke Wilson does is he doesn't try to do anything Kevin Conroy did. Mm. And I think that was a brilliant choice. Yeah. So we have Luke Wilson as Bruce Wayne. We have Jonas Kabrib as Damian Wayne, who is... Uh, Bruce's only biological child in the comics. Yes. Uh, the son of Bruce Wayne and Talia Al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul's daughter. Uh, in the comics, raised from a child to be an assassin, yeah. is still a child and is still a killing machine and then becomes Robin and has to learn from Bruce not to kill people, even yeah. though he's fucking 12. <laughs> Which Damian Wayne is my favorite Robin. Uh, controversial pick there. I know, but don't at me. <laughs> Especially when the real answer is Jason Todd. Only if you're an edgelord. <laughs> you know, the Robin that the entire comic universe has hated so much that they voted to kill him off. Yeah, the, picking Jason Todd as your favorite Robin is just like, I just wish Batman would have the balls to actually kill. <laughs> well, my like favorite Batman, Batman is actually Flashpoint Batman, Thomas Wayne. Because he don't guns. give no shits. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then we have a. We've never had a bad Alfred, and that continues no. with James Cromwell. Uh, James Com Cromwell from huge, huge franchises such as Star Trek and Babe. Yeah. Uh, he he appears as Alfred here, and he does a great job. Uh, going through the rest of the cast real quick. Uh. David Hornsby as the Joker. Are you familiar with David Hornsby? Uh, slightly. Not a massive name, but yeah, enough. Yeah. His biggest role, or his most well-known role, is being Rickety Cricket in It's Always Sunny, which is a character who starts off in a very good place in their life, and as they he interacts with the gang of characters there, just slowly dips into the most depraved uh yeah here's something else i don't like always sunny in philadelphia that's fine I, <laughs> it's not for everyone <laughs> yeah I, uh, I don't take to a lot of stuff like that that like an arrested development i can't oh i love both those shows it just doesn't do it for me <laughs> uh we have uh Teresa mclaughlin as poison mm -hmm. ivy who i'm not familiar with uh Vicky Vale is played by Cynthia K. McWilliams, who I'm also not familiar with. And then we got Brian George playing the Penguin. Yeah. Uh, Brian George, uh, also known for Hotel Transylvania, looks like. Mm -hmm. He's been in a ton. Like, you know his face. You see him, yeah, you know his face. He's one of those guys that you see in everything, you just don't know you do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the last pretty much mean guy for us is Chris Sullivan as Bane. Uh, Bane has one line. And what is it? My back. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny, because if you know comics, you know Bane broke Batman's back. Yeah. Uh, 
he has one line. He is credited with the rest of the main cast, even though he has one line. But one line is all it takes oh, yeah. for this to count. Uh, because, guys, we are, what is this, 13? 13, 13 episodes? 12. Episode 13. 13 episodes in, and we have still covered a movie every single week that has someone in it who is also in Law & Order SVU. Chris Felt Sullivan was in a single episode of Law & Order. He was in a Law & Order for every single one of his lines in Merry Little Batman. And that's what takes it home for us. That's all we needed. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Mike Roth, uh, written by Morgan Evans and Jace Ritchie. Uh, Bob Kane's in there for characters, but it should be Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Yeah. Music by Patrick Stump. Yeah. Yep. The composer is Patrick Stump. Uh the lead singer of Fallout Boy. Yeah. Who is That is information I just learned right now and that is so cool. Yeah. Patrick Stump. So all the entirety of Fallout Boy uh so ridiculously knowledgeable when it comes to composition and music theory. Yeah. It is fucking insane. I have been waiting for the day where he actually steps into a lot of these kind of positions he is just so mm. fucking good at understanding score yeah like i i, I loved the music like spoiler mm. for the scores later but i love the music yes yeah, uh and now this is just it's just icing on the cake i do i do love me a bit of follow boy patrick stump has like music knowledge aside and how to craft music and stuff like all that aside just a fantastic voice oh yeah just like so good uh, it's just too bad he has troubled thoughts and the self-esteem to match. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's just a notch in your bedpost, but you're just another line in a song. <laughs> Man, I wanted him to do the score of the reboot for Titanic because we're going down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, he got so much pushback from the record company when they were first putting that out because they said the the chorus was too wordy and it wasn't catchy enough. And he yeah. was like, no, this is the chorus. Yeah. This is the chorus. They went back and forth fought and he was like, no, this is it. And now as soon as, you know, former emos hear that first, mm. like we know exactly yeah, what's exactly. coming. We're yeah. singing every word. We're hitting every enunciation. Like he was right. He yeah. was right. And yeah. hundred percent. So, I love. I think all we really no, have ahead. to say, Patrick is, Thanks for the memories. <laughs> <laughs> and he's carrying, I don't know if he has thought about this, but he's carrying on the torch of punk rock musicians that have gone on to compose a Batman movie yeah. because arguably the most recognizable Batman uh, theme comes from Batman and Batman returns. And then the Batman animated series all done by Danny Elfman, yeah. who is very well known as a composer right now, but did not start that way. He started off, started off in a punk band called Oingo Boingo, yeah, which is fucking fantastic. Like Oingo Boingo is one of those punk bands slash ska bands because they got a horn section that just tickles my ADHD itch. Like just like you put on Oingo Boingo, and I'm very happy. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Ooh, ooh, this music matches the noises in my head. I like it. <laughs> Which is uh, the only credit we'll be giving Danny Elfman because every other musical score he's done has sucked. 
bullshit. No. Nope. Not bullshit. Get Not absolutely McFucked. It was Mm-mm. Batman, Mm-mm. Boingo, Boingo, right off. Bullshit. <laughs> you telling me Corpse Bride? I mean, I know you don't like Tim Burton, but Remains of the Day is a banger. You can't even tell me it's not. Ugh. And never mind that Spider-Man. Don't raspberry the Spider-Man theme, you fuck. <laughs> Look, right after I Google dude, fucking multiverse of madness. You tell me multiverse. of Ma- No, fuck you. Fuck you. Men in black. Fuck you. No, because you know, the only fucking good song in men in black is the one done by Will Smith. You know it as well as I do. No, no, the original score is awesome. Fuck you. Uh, Nacho fucking Libre, you fuck. (laughs) No, because Nacho Libre, the fucking problem with the music in that movie is they had Jack Black, and he wasn't fucking singing it. (laughs) Like, that's something they've only just remedied now in the newest Kung Fu Panda. You get fucking Tenacious D to move the movie. You've got half the fucking cunts right there. One's already on the payroll. The other one would do it for cookies. Tenacious D is making the music for the next one. It's both of them. And and we want to talk about like Tenacious D doing the music for a movie. The Peak of Destiny was fucking amazing. Not even just the songs that they broke into, but the score that followed along. Like everything in that movie musically was top notch. I mean, you're not going to get an argument from me, but like I will fight you on Danny Elfman. (laughs) Moving right along. <laughs> no fucking. <laughs> uh, in this movie, we follow Batman and or Bruce Wayne because he's pretty much done being Batman and Damian Wayne on Christmas Eve. Uh, Damian wants nothing more than to be Batman. Yeah. With his dad, Bruce. But Bruce has successfully gotten rid of crime in Gotham, which canonically. <laughs> Makes him the most successful Batman. He's the only Batman to have done it. (laughs) And for a long period of time, this is the this movie is the first little bit of trouble they've had in Damon's entire life to this point. Right, which he's eight years old at this point. He clear he finds out that Tali is pregnant, as far as this movie goes, finds out that he's gonna be a dad, clears out the villain issue for eight years. And doesn't even and and doesn't kill anybody. Yeah, forces all the supervillains to retire. <laughs> yep, brilliant. Yep, and absolutely brilliant. Look, I'm almost willing to say that this is this Batman can be canon. Like there is yeah. more than enough tie-ins with the rest of the Bat Media universe that it doesn't kind of doesn't contradict anything. It fits so incredibly well inside of it. Yeah. Brief synopsis of the plot. Uh, Batman or Bruce Wayne gives Damien a present early. It is a utility belt. Damien's first utility belt. There's a bunch of practice stuff in it and safety equipment, which is not exciting to young little Damien. He <laughs> wanted the, the real stuff. But Bruce Wayne is a very overprotective father. Yeah. And who could blame him, to be honest? Uh He's seen some shit in his day. (laughs) Batman gets pulled away for the first thing that he's had to actually do as Batman in eight years, which leaves little Damien all home alone when burglars burglars strike. 
very Home Alone style, not realizing they have to deal with mini Batman. Let's uh, let's backtrack on that. And He's only know. Home Alone because he manipulates Alfred into going out to get marshmallows. Right. This was yeah. this was semi semi planned. Yes, because he wants to play Batman. Yeah. Uh, the burglars are stealing Christmas for all of Gotham. They steal his his utility belt, and he goes on a quest to get it back. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I love this movie. Like I loved movie. this movie. It was yeah. so good, <laughs> and it's got one of those art styles that's very unique. Mm. That you're like, it, I could see it putting some people off at first, but you know once what? You're in it. You're I, in it. Know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a really polished version of Ed, Ed, and Eddie. It reminded me of Courage the Cowardly Dog. Oh, yeah, which is a polished version again of Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it. It reminded me of. Uh, of that and like Tim Burton esque stuff just mixed together, courage and Tim Burton esque, and I don't know if it was all hand drawn, but it felt very hand drawn. If it wasn't hand drawn, it was made to feel hand drawn on purpose. Yeah, because like you can see like the marker and the pencil like etchings. You can and during the scene, you can see the background colors almost wave a bit as if like they're imperfect as it's going through. And that's such a cool, like, yeah. way to do it. Uh, it's definitely the most unique looking Batman, I would say. Yeah. And then, even with its, even with like its unique look, the flow of the animation, yeah, like just how everything moves is so. It's it's so smooth, and they pull off these things that it's like, oh yeah, that's Batman. Yeah. Like that's Batman right there, and it's it's just so well done. Oh, like, it was great. It's it perfectly balanced the the darkness of Batman with the goofiness of Batman. Yeah, which some people think needs to be kept separate. No, but I would argue is always beneficial to have hmm. them together. See, most uh, problems, most people's issues with like the goofy side of Batman is they think back to Adam West era batman like where right. it was all camp now that was probably a little too much of the goof side of batman but as far as we go back into the the comics and you know stuff like that it was always there there was always some kind of underlying humor in there it wasn't all just doom and gloom which you know when you look at bat's origin stories and how everything plays out it's pretty easy to fall down a really dark rabbit hole with batman yeah and I uh, think Batman they avoided was, it so well in this. Yeah. They they got to it enough because this is a kid's movie yeah. and it is perfectly appropriate for your kids. Yeah. Uh, but they got to the dark parts enough to have the impact and mm-hmm. the emotional weight of them without being a bummer. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Batman is one of the reasons why uh the comics authority was invented to begin mm-hmm. with yep. because comics were for kids uh back then and batman got too dark like originally in the first run before he had his own title when he was just in detective comics he carried a gun and he did shoot people and, and then people were like this is too dark for kids yeah we can't blame that all on batman though 
uh, Green Arrow doing heroin didn't fucking help the cause. Well, um, that was that was a long time later, and that wasn't Green Arrow. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure it was Green Arrow was in there. Nope, it was uh, Arsenal. Arsenal was Arsenal. doing Close or Speedy. Enough. Yeah, no, <laughs> get it, Speedy. <laughs> yeah, this was the plan was all the, along. That was in the '80s, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually, it, it's funny you bring that up because uh, Green Arrow was made as a as a buffer yeah. to Batman because they were like, uh, we need, we need a Batman that kids can actually read now. And they were like, uh, what's kid appropriate? I don't know. Robin hood. Okay. Let's mix Batman and Robin hood. Here's green arrow. <laughs> it's just, I really like green arrow, but uh, the similarities between the two, uh, glaring, uh, green arrow is my favorite superhero. And See, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It, he's my favorite superhero because like literally the similarities are only on the surface. Oh yeah, yeah. And then you you dive into any any Batman or Green Arrow, and it's like, oh, these are very different characters. Unless yeah. the CW is making a show, and the and then there's <laughs> <laughs> which, to be fair, I really liked Arrow. The first yeah. probably the first four seasons, I could really get behind. The first three seasons are fantastic. Yeah, the fourth season sucks. There's a and there's this, a drop, but you have to see yeah. where that arc goes, and that was my issue. And then the fifth season kicks kicks it back up to fucks again. The fifth season is on par with the first three, and then it 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 stays pretty consistent until the end. There, I but, think my issue is probably halfway to three quarters through season four because it was such a it was getting draggy. Yeah. I I stopped paying being as attentive to it, so the fifth didn't hit for me because I didn't have the the character care anymore. Well, the fifth also uh, brings in new characters and yeah. kind of does a soft reboot, uh, which is hard to get after- behind sometimes. Yes, and it lost a lot of people in the season four finale because the the way they defeat the the big bad of season four is through the whole city coming together with the power of friendship and yeah. zapping his magic powers away. And then you're just like, ooh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't fucking Captain Planet. Like, no. <laughs> and the yeah, worst part about that's... Captain Planet was fucking the last one being hot. Fuck off. Yeah. This isn't Don Cheadle, guys. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's be honest. We only need Earth, Wind, and Fire. And that that's something that stretches into fucking other media. Like it's... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Hex Girls told me that we need Earth, Wind, Fire, and Air. Yeah, but like even fucking even that's if you want to stretch that. That's what the Hex Girls that... and Scooby Doo said, and they kickstarted my puberty, so I'm going to listen to them. <laughs> I was going to say like even <laughs> when we go back to like Avatar, but like the last last Airbender Avatar, mm-hmm. that entire nation did fine without Airbending. For what, a couple hundred years, like we was it they, fine? Yeah, they were, was look, it fine? Look, they were still around enough to be there. It didn't look fine when, when <laughs> Ang came back. I mean, they existed, but it, <laughs> things were not fine. <laughs> uh, this really is the ADHD episode. Yeah, no, we've uh, done no. We, we've spoken about Batman, just not this Batman. Yeah. I think we've done more of my tattoo of Batman than we have on the right. movie itself. 
<laughs> which is crazy because unabashedly we both loved it yeah like we both we loved really it did. Um, and there were like you said there were moments like like as a batman fan you'll definitely get more out of this than oh, like yeah. a casual fan but it's little things it's not like plot heavy things uh a lot of it's the quips just a very yeah. quick snarky well not even snarky but just very quick little whips of dialogue uh yeah. that, that come out really quick and you're like that's that's a really nice nod yeah th- that that leads to this thing and yeah. and if you're not as well versed in batman it's still a good it's still a good quip like yeah. uh like mr freeze is a perfect example <laughs> because he's quoting batman and robin yeah a lot of it and we're like, aha, because Arnold Schwarzenegger and yep. everybody else is like, oh, he's making ice puns because he's the ice guy. You know, it's 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 great. Uh, and then they do little things like, uh, again, with Mr. Freeze, but when he's hanging upside down because they've grappled him and then uh, Batman does the no look battering oh. and cuts him down and he falls. I'm like, oh, from Arkham. Like, <laughs> like it's so good. There's just uh, so many tie ins into the universe. I think. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I think as a movie itself, it's great. But having that uh, that nostalgia tie-in for me, like, I live in a world of nostalgia. Like, that's that you'll get me every time with something like that. But just how well it was done, and it was everywhere, but it's not like it was just a, a one little one-off thing here that, you know, that could just be coincidence. No, no, no. This was yeah. all the way through the movie. Like everything was referenced from comics to TV shows to even just things that we talk about on the internet about Batman and kind of take it a little bit further than it was. Like this whole, like everything was kind of, it was all jam packed into this film. Absolutely. Like even like you made a joke about the nipples in the, yeah. in the Batman and Robin suit that suits in the movie yeah. with the poking out nipple. Yeah. And then and like, the I'm floppy pretty... Batman suit, the first one from like yep. the, when was yep. it like the forties or something? Yeah, the first the- Batman serials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, oh. And it's just so good. And then I can't prove it, um, but with how much how much reference and self reference in there there is, I'm pretty sure that some of uh, main Batman stuff that he does or movements and look design wise, I think it's based on Bat Metal. Which is a fan thing. Yeah. Uh, well, have he had you heard of Bat- most sizable chin? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen Bat Metal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, for those who don't know, there's a there's a band called Death Clock, who is the stars of Metalocalypse, the the TV show. And basically, this guy made YouTube videos where he puts Batman in those music videos, and it's like Batman's the one singing, and it, it's very entertaining. Uh. But yeah, I, I don't know if there was influence there, but it certainly feel, felt like it. I I felt that too. But and it wouldn't surprise me because, you know, Batman was turned into quite a quite a big thing as far as Batman fandom goes now too. Yeah. It just felt like every layer of this had so much Batman love. It's so much genuine good faith Batman love. Yeah. That it was it was really refreshing. Yeah. Like like it's very easy to find Batman fans that are very much into the dark gritty, mm. like Batman's almost a villain himself type deal. And it's like, yeah. that's gross. I hate it so much. Get it the fuck away from me. 
Uh, or even the bullshit then, surface uh, critics that start talking about, you know, oh, Batman is just a fucking conservative wet dream because he goes over the, goes, like, he has all these millions of dollars, but he goes over um, just for fucking low-level street crime and all this kind of thing. It doesn't touch politicians. Like, bullshit, he doesn't po- touch politicians. Like, he goes yeah. into, like, some fucking massive organizations to bring them down from the inside. Like, yeah, it's yeah. There is just so much shit um, that kind of surrounds a lot of bat fandom, especially when we talk about on the internet. But this was just this was all love. Like there wasn't yeah. like you could almost tell that everyone that was involved in the project had such an affinity for one the project, but two for Batman as a whole. Yeah, like, absolutely. I'm, I'm willing to say this was the passion project from everybody involved. Yeah, I, I would I would sign off on that too. Yeah, because like even with the bad faith takes like you were saying, like if one billionaire in real life did what Batman did, yeah. And like because people don't realize that they're like, oh, he just beats up poor people and, and the mentally ill. It's like, no. no. Uh and like why doesn't he use his, his billions of dollars to da da da? It's like he does. He does. Uh, and if you read the comics, you would know that. Like, you would know that Bruce Wayne personally finances the entire city of Gotham and makes mm-hmm. sure that every single citizen has health care. Yeah. Like, you would know that. You would know that there's times where even the street level guys, like the muggers and stuff, he stops and is like, why are you doing this? And then helps them afterwards. Yeah. Like, like, you would know that. And, like, oh, there's a lot of Batman portrayals where you can't see them doing that. Yeah. But this one, you can absolutely see that. And I don't think it was I don't think it was uh, a coincidence that they the movie ends with Damien going, oh, Joker just didn't want to be alone on Christmas. Yeah. Having. Having dinner together. Yeah. And Uh, it's like one of Joker's last lines is him singing fucking Jingle Bells. Uh, Yeah. And like it just changed the last one to having dinner with all my friends is like (laughs) we're not friends. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it uh it touches on some Batman stuff that like I wish would get talked about more of like mm-hmm. like a lot of people are like, oh, he just brings in child soldiers and da 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 like a lot of the reason why he's overprotective in this movie, uh, like Alfred explains is because he's trying to give Damien what he'd never had, which yeah. was a childhood. And that's how it always starts mm-hmm. with Robins. It's always Bruce Wayne trying to give them a childhood and shielding them from the Batman stuff. Yeah. And it starts and then, all like, the way from fucking the first Robin, Dick Grayson. Yeah. Like, as legit, he, he, he was dubbed, there when, like, his parents yeah. were killed. And he just, he would not have him, that kid, grow up. And to start with, that was never the intention to have him as a sidekick. No. He was, he was bringing this child into his house to care for him, give him a family, make sure he's supported, and try to hide the fact that he's fucking Batman. Like, that was never yeah. supposed to be. Hold on, I got Siren. Bats is busy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're back. <laughs> but same with Jason Todd. Jason yeah. Todd, uh, he found stealing hubcaps. He was trying to steal the hubcaps off the Batmobile, and instead of... What balls? You know, <laughs> which he then takes Jason Todd in and tries to, like, just coach him as a person, but he already knew about Batman, so then he tried to channel... Jason's propensity for things like that into something positive. And then Tim Drake, 
was just, you know, he figured out who Batman was and yeah. showed up at his doorstep, you know, because Tim Drake is the only other person that Ra's al Ghul has ever called detective. Yeah. Because he's on par with Batman. So it's like this, this shows that aspect of Batman that's so present in the comics when you have a good writer. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you do have those power fantasy writers that I don't dig. I'm not going to mention any, but you have those power fantasy writers like Frank Miller in uh, <laughs> All-Star, Batman and Robin. Uh, oops, I accidentally, I accidentally did it. Uh, <laughs> Which Frank Miller, Dark Knight is also one of the best fucking Batman comic it's, series. I was talking, uh, I was talking to one of my Twitter buddies, MR Comics. EM AR comics. Little shouts out for you, buddy. Uh that'll be forty nine ninety five. Uh and I was talking to him and he, I had I had never read All Star Batman and Robin, but he showed me two frame two pages of it, just unedited, just right from the page. And I'm like, how is this the same man that wrote The Dark Knight? Yeah. How is it the same man that wrote Batman Year One? Like he's literally like, I'm the goddamn Batman. Like, and it's like, that's not Batman. That's, that's not, not Batman. Batman. And then he calls Dick Grayson the R word. Like, yeah. Also not Batman. <laughs> See, <laughs> like, but Frank, come on, this isn't Hal Jordan in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> See, but Frank has this thing where like he's he's progressively gotten more and more sour um, as the years have gone on, and he's now he really actively has. edgy. Where before, like, his edginess came from, like, oh, he's just a cool cult guy. But now it's like, oh, I've got to try and be the cool cult guy while also yeah. being famous as fuck. Like, yeah. And yeah, that's it's his issues. It's it's like he uh, he was the bar for edgy before. Yeah. And now that's like, it was so big and it influenced so much. Yeah. That now he's like, I have to push the bar for edgy. And it's like. Yeah. Anytime you're trying to be edgy for edgy's sake, you lose sight of the characters. Yeah. Fuck you, Tim Burton. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but there's not a hint of that in here. No. In here, it's just pure heart, mm -hmm. pure emotion, pure fun. It, like, I can't say enough good things about yeah. how well this movie was done. Even, even like, how they play it um because they do what the animated series did mm -hmm. where joker isn't a murderer he's yep. like a really eccentric you know i'm gonna get you guy just, just the worst uh, best friend ever right yeah. <laughs> which i think when you're doing kids batman is something that needs to happen like you can't have full-on psychotic you know like mowing down people with a tommy gun like you can't have jack nichols and joker in a kids movie <laughs> but see like that's it's the same as like you know the, the batman with the darkness thing like it's really really easy to fall down as a rabbit hole like you can get stuck in there really really quickly and yeah. it's the same thing with joker like sure you can go down the you know the whole psychotic thing but that wasn't just joker's bag like he wasn't just fucking right. insane that was never that was never the point of joker uh, he was always just doing things because he could. It's like he wanted to piss yep. Batman off, but he didn't yep. want to. Like, sure, he was he was making trouble, but it was never anything so egregiously terrible. Um, until the Killing Joke, of course, that didn't fucking help. Um, yeah, 
You know what else didn't help in the killing joke? Seeing Commissioner Gordon's dick. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was that was never Joker. <laughs> like it wasn't just being yeah. insane. But I think you know, I think they they legitimately did every character that they used in the film. It's just such an amazing level of justice. Like it was yeah. so well done. It's probably one of my favorite now. One of my favorite pieces of Batman media. Yeah, it's and to take Damian Wayne, who gets shit on so much by comic fans. Uh, I think just because he's the newest, like yeah. it's very easy to shit on the newest. Super. Uh, to take him and give him such a a great story. That's it, it. Still is faithful to his origins. Like his mom is still Talia Al Ghul. Yeah. They make reference to it. Like Batman has a heart <laughs> tattoo that says Talia on yeah. it, and then uh, they make jokes like, "Mom's a supervillain." Yeah, mom's complicated. <laughs> a complicated supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, some of, some of the the quips and the back references in this are fantastic. I think that's yeah. that's my favorite part is. The dialogue in this is just so quick and short and to the point. Like the jokes in this movie, there is no fat on whatsoever. No. Like it's no. straight in. Yeah. And then it, it managed to be that level of just absolutely genuinely funny. Yeah. And still have so much heart to it. Mm-hmm. Like throughout the film, Damien develops a uh, a relationship with the with the AI computer program bat dad which is synced into his suit a lot like which feels kind of lifted from spider-man it with tony stark you know his uh and see was this, Karen? Yeah, yeah yeah and see but this is also feels like a little bit of a tie-in from um the youtube personality bat dad the guy that wears the yeah. bat mask and goes back and forth like with yep. his kids and shit there is just so much batman lore whether it be canon or not in this film and the suit that he picks up form fits him and then has the most technologically advanced stuff and yep. like in the UI in there. Yep. Just like Batman Beyond. Yeah. Like there's everything. God damn. Yeah. You take something and it's got like three different references. Yeah. But he did this. He builds up this relationship with Bat Dad, which, you know, helps him work through the issues that he's having with his real dad. Yeah. And then. We lose Bat Dad during the turmoil because of the consequences of Damien's actions, and he has to face that. And he's like pleading with the computer not to go because the computer is about to, you know, sacrifice the power that he has left. Yeah. And then he says, Thank you for letting me make warm memories of my own, and yeah. then sacrifices himself for Damien. Fuck, man. This had me crying over a fucking computer program in a children's movie, Batsuit. Yeah. And then not long after that, um, when he throws the utility belt, the what this movie has been all about, like he, mm. that was that was his like whole thing of trying to get back the belt that he was given. Um, and so you know he replays that in his head. You know what it takes to be a superhero is sacrifice. And he throws the belt up into mm. the dome, and it starts cracking. It's like, damn, this is yeah, so much more wholesome than Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> God damn it! You just had to hit it. You just had to throw in one before next week's episode. <laughs> I've been trying to keep it in, and it's like that episode of South Park where they all tried to hold in the farts and they spontaneously combust. 
I just like that you've equated your opinions with farts. Uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, this also has another moment that I love so much where, like, obviously Damien wasn't supposed to be out superheroing. He tricked Alfred into going out. He destroys half the city accidentally. He loses his, his, uh, loses his utility belt. He's been beat up pretty bad. And there's a mob after him for ruining Christmas. Yeah. When he's getting chased through the alleys by the townspeople, by the people of Gotham, it switches to a black and white comic book aesthetic, Mm. which just helps portray the terror that this young boy is feeling, which I wasn't expecting. I was like, this is a really cool sequence. Yeah. And then as the dark figure comes in and he's just cowering, it turns out it's Alfred. And Alfred is his parent figure in this part. Like, like he's like, oh shit, Alfred. Alfred does the gentlest correction and parenting that was so nice to see because he sees that Damien doesn't need to get yelled at right now. Yeah. Damien's in a lot of emotional distress. Like Damien brings it up. He's like, he, he Alfred offers him hot chocolate. He downs it. He's like, there you go. Now let's go home. He's like, am I in trouble? He's like, oh, loads of trouble. <laughs> but let's go home. (laughs) Like he knows he doesn't need to get yelled at. He knows he, that Damien knows he fucked up and he's just gentle with it. And it just, he gives him a speech and Mm. like encouragement, which is exactly what Alfred always does. Like Alfred might be the greatest character to come out of Batman. ever. Mm. Like I think it's hard to argue like Batman's cool, but goddamn, Alfred is just consistently on a cr- across all mediums, just mm-hmm. fantastic. Well, see, it's because Alfred's, like, obviously, Batman's parents not being around, Alfred's had to take that that mantle to himself. Um, right. And he, he has probably been the single most supportive dad in media. Like, not only, like, did he care for Bruce and whatever wanted to happen, he kept everything running for him. Um, but like we can pull from a couple of bits of media for Alfred and just how awesome yep. he is. Um, like not only helping him become, but supporting him through being Batman. Um, but then if you want to look at like the Dark Knight stuff, when that just goes back to being Bruce and they give each other that little nod in the in the cafe mm. scene right at the end, it's like yeah, it's like I I've come to see you to let you know that I'm still here and I still love you, but. I'm not here to interfere. Yeah. It's just, and it's just, yeah, Alfred is the, Alfred is the VIP of Batman. Yeah. Entirely. Yeah. yeah. I like in the Dark Knight Rises too, when, uh, that it was kind of left up to into a ter- interpretation. People were like, oh, was he really there? Was he not? And then Christian Bale was like, yeah, he was there. Like, like, How do you literally think we recently. fucking filmed it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was just like, yeah, he was there, which like, Especially in, because like right before that, which again shows just the goat of Alfred, something that broke me in The Dark Knight Rises is after Batman sacrifices himself, uh, Alfred goes to Thomas and Martha Wayne's grave and is just breaking down sobbing, apologizing for failing them because he couldn't protect their son. And then to get that afterwards, like. Like he's actually okay. You did yeah. you did excellent, Alfred. You did more than anyone could have asked you. Mm. Like Oh yeah. And then uh one of my other favorite I think my favorite adaptation of Alfred ever is in the Gotham TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh with uh Sean Pertwee. Yep. He uh 
there's there's a point where like somebody calls him just the butler or something and he's like no that's my boy yeah and i was like whoa whoo and then he proceeds to beat the bricks off him <laughs> <laughs> just fucking all in yeah it was very cut like you saw the obi-wan series right um i saw a bit of it i think okay. i was i've seen like the first five episodes so you didn't see the one that I'm about to talk about. Okay. Probably not. <laughs> but anyway, the one of the antagonists, Riva, uh, is is chasing after Baru and Owen trying to get to Luke. And they're they're beating her off. Like the what? Crazy. That shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's not good here. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> they're fending her off pretty well. It's <laughs> And then she's getting frustrated. She's like, you're protecting him like he's your own. And he and Owen looks at her and goes, he is my own. Hmm. I was like, ooh, you just fucked up. Because <laughs> now he's about to beat you up. That was so unfortunate. <laughs> I'm never living that down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to clip that, hand it out to the buddy brigade, and that's now going to be our message oh, tones. Great. Great. <laughs> Love it, I love it. All right, let's uh, but let's jump into some scoring for this because this was. I think we could gush on this movie for a very long we really time. Could. It's just amazing. Mm, agreed. So, getting into our scores, what did you give it for writing? Uh, for writing, it got a ninety-eight. That's a that's a high score. It is a high score, I and did. it comes from the story is great. We've we've talked about before. Um, both you and I end on the show that um, I'm very, very kid orientated, mm -hmm. uh, like with my, my work and as a dad and all that kind of shit. This movie for me is a fantastic kids movie. Oh, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't get dark, but there's enough that you know that there's going to be repercussions. The repercussions, as you talk about, um, child is still being supported uh they weren't just let it, letting in get away with everything like there was still discipline in there yep i think like the moral of the story like the whole thing is just so fantastically amazing um that i think this actually makes it one of the perfect children's movies but also because all the little lore tie-ins this makes it not only great for children as themselves, but for parents that maybe do have that little bit of uh, background with bats, it makes it a movie that can be actually enjoyed by an entirety mm. of the family. And we don't get a lot of movies like that anymore. We're, no, we do not. When we go back to family movies, we're generally talking 15 to 20 years ago. Like We always go back to those nostalgic movies, which, as we've seen sometimes aren't overly appropriate nowadays to show. Like, yeah. Some of the biggest Christmas films, like Home Alone, for example, that's still looked at as, um, you know, a, a family movie. Um, yeah. That entire movie is someone forgot their kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, that child yeah. has been left unattended enough that they have left the state 
on yeah. Christmas. Like that child wasn't careful or in the forethought enough to be made sure that he was there. Twice. Yeah. And then again they did it in the third twice. one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then lose him in different First cities. and second, they, they do it twice. Mm-hmm. And it's, at, at that point, you just have to come into grips that you're bad parents. Yeah, 100%. Doc should have been involved. Like They should be sending in welfare and actually doing protective uh, checks. Yeah. Like, fuck, that's my job. If I hear about something in my job like that, I have to send them in. Yeah. like I have to make sure this child is protected and cared for. Uh, because right. loved and cared for are very, very different things. When you want to get into this yeah. kind of thing, and but no, I I think this conversation actually got darker than what the movie is, and that's probably yeah, my right. and that's my favorite part about it. There's, there's repercussions, there's a story. It is actually for everybody, um, and all those all those little quips and you know, backgrounds in Bat Law uh, that definitely helped as far as uh, you know, upping the score. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Uh I loved how it was written. I love the quips. I love, you know, the references to all the greater Batman lore. Yeah. Uh the only thing I can say about it is that you kind of saw exactly where it was going. Yeah. Uh from the get. It was a little little predictable. What would but again, it's a kid's movie. Mm. So like it's not gonna be predictable to a kid. They're not going to think about that. Follow. Yeah. Right. Uh, but that's the only thing that brought it down a little bit for me. I gave it a 92. That's so still yeah. high as fuck. See, my, my one only gripe with it is maybe it's just a little bit too long. I think if they could probably mm. shave 10, 15 minutes out of it, because um, we've got to remember it's still kids' films. A lot of kids yeah. aren't sitting through that kind of length. If they could have shaved maybe that little bit more out of it, I don't think it would have hurt the story or anything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, there wasn't a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, and a half, minutes, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, kids are sitting through Marvel movies now, so. Fucking, I'm not even making it through a whole film <laughs> sitting like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what'd you give it for performance? Uh, performance got a 96 because everybody in this film was fucking fantastic. Like nothing yeah. really jumped out of me as bad anywhere. Yeah, I would agree with that. I couldn't go perfect because it didn't groom me that much. But yeah, there was just, there was no. <laughs> it's not that it was amazingly good, but it was the the complete absence of bad. Yeah, I think Jonas uh, Cabrib really really put this movie on his back too. Yeah, like he did such a great job as Damien because uh, he's not. He's he's young, like he is yeah. a kid. Yeah. Uh, and he's only been acting since nine uh, twenty nineteen. <laughs> uh, he's just a kid. He's only been acting since nineteen oh two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was uh, actually he was in Obi Wan Kenobi as a uh, Jedi youngling. Did he make it through, or did but, Anakin come back to babysit? Nope. That's when the younglings were in there. Was uh, Order sixty six. <laughs> So we saw we've seen this young man die. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> but he did such a great job. Uh, yeah. I really liked uh, Luke Wilson mm. and David Hornsby as Batman and the Joker, respectively. I think they put their own spins on it without without trying to copy anybody. Yep. Uh, 
I didn't copy Luke Wilson, him, but they didn't leave the universe to find the character. Right. Luke Wilson more or less just used his own voice, which I think is yeah. fine. Uh, didn't do a Batman voice, but was good, just consistently good throughout the movie. And then James Cromwell was just fantastic as Alfred. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, I think he had a lot of strong guys and then a lot, uh, a, a couple okay yep. uh, with some of the supervillains. So I put uh, performance at a 91. Solid. Deserve it. Now, what'd you give it for cinematography? Um, cinematography, as we found out with the episode on El Super Bisto, is a little harder with animated films. Um, yeah. Because everything is so meticulously thought out and purposeful. I thought it was great. Um, I liked the art style. I can see how it would be a little bit jarring for some people. I hit it with a 94. But I still thought it was pretty excellent, yeah. personally. Um, same thing. It's not that it was amazingly wonderful. It's the absence of bad. This is not <laughs> bad. See, I, I gave it a 94 because Ooh. I found it wonderful. Like, I, I just really... Everything I was looking at, I I loved looking at. You know, like, yeah. with the, the hand-drawn aesthetic, it almost looked like a storybook, like a picture book. Yep. Uh, which I really dug. Like you could just take frames of this and make a picture book out of it. Oh, like, you wouldn't easily. even need to do anything else. You could wipe uh, the color, cape the outline, and it's probably going to be one of the best fucking coloring books for Batman too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and a lot of like well, comparing it to Super Beasto, the only other animated movie we've done, uh, like that had a lot of good art, mm. but a lot of it didn't have like depth. It was kind of just a lot of it was blocks. You know, yeah. like this is a building. This is this. This is this. This was drawn in such a way that everything had depth. It had it did, depth yeah. and it had it had personality. It had purpose, and then the movement was just spectacular. It was smooth. It was believable. It was great. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I hit it with the ninety four. I just liked everything I saw. Uh, yeah, yeah, fantastic job. Yeah, I think so. Did hundred percent. What'd you give it for music and sound design? Okay, so I thought the music was fantastic. The foil artist was pretty pretty damn spot on too. Uh, got extra points for no Danny Elfman. Um, but I did take points off because this is my issue with every single Batman-related media. Well, as far as digital. When you do not use the Demi Bourgier song, Progenies of the Great Apocalypse, in a Batman film, you are missing out on something amazing. So it only got a 95. I took five points away for that. For not using what song? So there, there's a, a black metal band called Demi Bagheer. Spelled Demu okay. Burger. Um, they have a song, The Progenies of the Great Apocalypse. The intro to that song is huge, dark, orchestral, but there is so much um, Michael Keaton, Batman influence in that part. Um, it is heavy metal Batman. Okay. When we when we wrap up on this episode, I'll show you, and you can't tell me that it's not Batman, and that it should be in every single Batman film and show from here on out. Has it ever been in a Batman Never. film or show? Never. Okay. So you took points off for them not using a song that they probably never heard of? Exactly. That feels very evangelistic, Christian, but okay. But <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not asking people for money so I can buy another plane. I'm just... And look... <laughs> actually, and like, Demi, Demi Bagheer is probably one of the biggest black metal bands 
um, that have existed. They're like they're so popular in black metal that true black metal fans don't consider them black metal because they're popular. Like that kind of they're that size. Um, gotcha. But I still think it's one of those things that it's it's a personal gripe. But how could this continue for so long? This is like. <laughs> this is the running joke of Batman, just like me going to Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman's house for barbecues is to this show. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I really liked the music in this, as we talked about. Like, yep. that's no secret. Finding out that it was Patrick Stump was just a bonus. Uh, I liked a lot of the sound effects. There were some that felt kind of not phoned in, but like kind of uh, almost public domain e. Uh, See, but I like still they buy weren't... that with cartoons, especially like kid directed cartoons. I can, but like I still noticed, like like there was um I was reading an article today about uh, about sound design, um, and this lady was talking about her experience on a film set and how one of the sound guys told her not to make any noise at all because he needed to record silence for thirty seconds because. <laughs> Each, each, uh, subconsciously will notice if the silence in a room that's dubbed over a movie mm-hmm. doesn't match the room. Yep. Which is wild that the human brain can do that. And then something clicked. It's like, oh, okay. So it feels like these, this sound wasn't meant for this. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't done in tandem with this. Yep. So like, there's just a few times that that like, kind of jumped out at me in action scenes, whereas like. Like not jarring, but like just a little, little like fly in the air. Yeah. Um. So I gave music and sound design a ninety. Okay. And now down to our most subjective. As the if, vibe. The, if the rest wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, vibe. I hit it with a ninety-five. I loved the shit out of this movie. Mm. I yeah. I think my one gripe is maybe just a touch too long for my taste, but that's uh, I'm still not upset that it's there. Which is a wild thing to say about a 90-minute movie. I'm sorry. I'll fight you on that. <laughs> well, it, it's weirdly, it's my same issue with the Fellowship, of the, um, the Fellowship, Return of the King, where there's like 48 fucking endings that take almost an hour yeah, themselves. three-hour movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, three-hour movie, yeah. and an hour of it is just fucking ending after ending after ending. Which So it's wild that you said you have the same problem with a 90-minute movie. I'm getting old and impatient. This is the, this is the Apparently. issue. Yeah. Like you couldn't even wait till we stopped recording before you started eating. So fucking like... starving. <laughs> <laughs> so you gave it a ninety-five for vibe. What mm-hmm. does that give you total? We're gonna round it up to a ninety-six. Ninety-six. Mm. Okay. So I gave it a ninety-six for vibe. Cool. A ninety-six for vibe, just because it was incredible. It, it was. was so much fun. It was. It was surprising. Like I like I'm at the point as a DC fan where I don't expect DC to come out with good stuff anymore, especially when it's uh, Batman related. Especially when it's Batman related, and I know last year we had the Batman, which is probably the greatest, most comic accurate Batman movie ever. It's the best live don't action Batman it. that's ever existed. Right? No cap. I still have zero. That still didn't reinstill my faith in DC <laughs> with everything else that they did. They still canceled Batgirl. They still, you know, like. Green Lantern still exists and is sold in stores. Like <laughs> Black Adam and Shazam Two still happen. <laughs> like I just I have no faith in anything yeah. that company puts out. 
And so this was a welcome surprise, especially with it being as good as it was. And it being an Amazon thing, like, fuck. Yeah. We don't expect that from Amazon at all, ever. Uh, this should have been probably one of the worst things in Batman digital media that has ever existed. Yeah. It's a child's yet- movie about Batman from DC <laughs> being made by Amazon. And Batman's not even the main character. Yeah. And Bat- <laughs> Bats is in it very, very little. It's a legacy character, which people shit on anyway. Yeah. And you see uh, Bruce more yeah. than Bats. Yeah. And he's got a beard the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and the only one that likes the beard is Joker. Yep. Yep. <laughs> which is such a cool detail to have. Mm. Like when he's like, oh, I thought I'd keep the beard outfit. I think it ups my intimidation game. And then uh, Joker later on, like, oh, I love the beard. It really ups the intimidation factor. Yeah. Thank you, Joker. <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't liked Batman and Joker together in this type of scenario as much since the Lego Batman movie. Yeah. Like, we just so saying good. something. Yeah. Like, it, it's been yeah. a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, since then, all we've gotten is fucking Jared Leto. He's still not oh. the worst Joker. <laughs> Yes, he is. Oh no! Fuck you! Fuck you! You're saying he's the worst. Fuck. Anyway, ninety six for vibe gave me a ninety two point six overall. Round up to ninety three, which gives us a ninety four point five, and an official this movie sucks score of ninety five out of a hundred. I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, This is one of the best movies that we've ever had for the show. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, uh, at a ninety-five, is that our highest? Like, I don't have the, I don't have our overall scores in front of me. Uh, I know you usually do. It is. This is the highest yeah. rated score uh, movie we have ever had. What was the? What was the second? Uh, Indy at ninety percent, tied with Top Gun at ninety percent. Damn. So this movie is better than Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> I mean, if you look at my personal scores, I don't know if that'll reflect that. <laughs> but <laughs> as far as us combined, this show is concerned, <laughs> this is the best movie that's ever been made. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that wraps up our main ish- uh, main episode portion. Now we are going to play a game, mm-hmm. a game that Heresy uh, debuted last week called Wishlist. Basically, we're going to give whoever's hosting the show gives the other person uh, a concept and they have to uh, basically build a project around that, that they wish would come out either like a reboot or an adaptation yeah. uh, that like hasn't been done before. So in this, we see a uh, fairly dark character, get a pretty non-dark Christmas adaptation. Yep. I would like you to develop and cast a Christmas special like this with another comic book character with another comic book character yes super dark doesn't have to be can be any car- character you want just not batman thomas wayne batman or bat family yes <laughs> <laughs> get out of the bat family <laughs> mm. move to a different ip <laughs> uh, another another dc Look, I think um I think Green Green Arrow would work pretty well um 
through this through Christmas special. Um, but I'm actually going to go. That would be such a lateral move. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Green Arrow is my favorite character, my favorite superhero ever. And I was still like, uh, buddy. <laughs> just take a side step. You're just going to remake the same movie with arrows? Okay. But if you want to do something that is just a little bit more. Look, we can go offbeat uh, with doing something like Dr. Fate. Um, Dr. Fate Christmas special. <laughs> yeah. And you like bring in Zatanna and all this kind of shit. But what mm. I reckon, like as far as Christmas movies goes, where it's all about bringing people of all different walks of life together and all that shit, I think you're going to have to go Green Lantern. Because Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. Yeah, Which one? Uh, John. 100% John. Yes. Yeah. The best. Yeah. Um, Something like that where you bring in all the lanterns from all the different sectors and all that kind of thing for, you know, a, a holiday that is specifically just for Earth. But you bring in the rest of the universe, I think, as far <laughs> as something. I, I reckon that would probably have to be the best thing. And who am I getting played to play John? Christopher Judge. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. In Tilk. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Judge, he'd be good. He'd be real good. Uh, my uh, my John Stewart cast fan cast has always been Mustafa Shakir, Ooh. who was a uh, Bushmaster in season two of Luke Cage. Oh, uh, that's not Jet who I was thinking. In the live action Netflix. Oh, when you said Mufasa, I was thinking Lion King. I thought that that's uh, a Mus- really <laughs> no M- Mustafa. That's not what I heard. I heard Mufasa. (laughs) Mustafa Shakir. But yeah, Christopher Judge. So would you have Hal in there as well? On one condition. Is it Ryan Reynolds? It's Ryan Reynolds. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, but he has to bring Hugh Jackman as Wolverine into What's up, mother suckers? We actually had some technical issues at the end of this episode. I had a blackout and everything just shut down because, you know, that's how blackouts work when you're using electricity. But what better way to leave the podcast than with Ryan Reynolds? So let's do what we normally do and wrap things up. If you want to go and check out CJ, Bunny Defender, he is on Twitch. Heresy, that is me. I'm on Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And you will find all the links in the description. And we will see you next time. That's a wrap. This movie sucks. <laughs>